So I know some of you really like uh, country western music. Who here is willing to raise your hand in public and admit that you like country western? Wow, that's a, that's a lot of people. May the Lord help you, and I'm going to pray for you right now. May the Lord <laughs> cast out that twang from your system. I'm only kidding. But I always tell the joke, you know what happens when you play a country western song backwards? You get back your wife and your dog and your truck. That's what 90% of the songs are about. Well, how many of you have heard of the famous country western singer named Travis Tritt? I have never heard of him. I don't know his music, but I do know a story that he told that I find interesting for today. When Travis Tritt first started out he, in the music business, he would play with his band in some pretty hole-in-the-wall establishments and kind of off the beaten path. And in those places, there were a lot of bar fights. And so what he figured out is a pretty interesting way to stop a fight from getting out of hand. Tritt, would, Tritt said, his quote, quote from him, just when things started getting out of hand, when bikers were reaching for their pool cues, when rednecks were heading for the gun rack, I'd start playing Silent Night. It could be the middle of July, I didn't care. As I played that song, grown men would stop everything and calm down. Sometimes they would even start crying, standing there watching me play Christmas carols in the middle of July. Isn't it wonderful that Christmas songs can bring peace on earth, literally? But there is a Christmas song that I'm aware of, and I want you to be aware of this morning, that can have the opposite effect of bringing peace. In fact, it can do the opposite. And that song is written by Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it's titled... Mary's Magnificat, and I'll explain that. That's our title this morning. It's not a misspelling. Mary was pregnant when she wrote this song. It was her song, her way of praising God, and it's a radical song. In fact, William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury, instructed his missionaries to poverty-stricken India never to read the words of Mary's song in public because it could incite riots in the streets. You think to yourself, wow, what what would make this song so radical, yet so profound, and as we'll see today, so magnificent? I'm going to read it to you. It's in Luke chapter 1, and if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Otherwise, it will be on the screen here. And if you need a Bible, if you're new uh, with us today, you'd like a free Bible, um, there's blue ones uh, all around in the chairs in the back there. Um, We even have some new travel mugs uh, for a free gift for you, if you'd like one. So please take it. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Um, A few verses here. This is Mary's song. Mary's praise song. Mary said, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich 
he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So if you followed along, you saw probably why this would cause a riot in a place like India that has a caste system, elevations of of wealth and where there's pride. Today for us Christians, though, we see five important truths. Number one, God must be first in your home. Number two, God's word must guide you, not your feelings. Feelings are gauges, not guides. Number three, God's grace is a gift of unconditional love. God's mercy, number four, saves you from judgment. And fifthly, God keeps his promises. We're going to look at all of those truths from this scripture, verse by verse here as we go through it, and I'll show you those, but let's pray together for the word to really change us um, to be more like Jesus. Father, your word is powerful. Your gospel is simple, as I preached last week. And I don't need to dress it up and make it special. We don't need smoke and mirrors. We don't need a light show. We need you, Lord, the light of the world, to show us the way. We need your spirit to open our eyes today to see truth. Father, may it comfort us, may it encourage us, and may we learn how to apply it to our lives so that our lives can be changed, transformed, to be more like you and your son. In Jesus' name. The church said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so the first truth is God first in your home. God first in your home. I have those points that will come up on the computer screens. God first in your home. Mary's song reveals that she had a very godly upbringing. Now, just because you're born into a religious home doesn't make you religious or give you faith automatically. There is a bit of a misnomer, I think, in our country today because if you ask people, the polls will tell you that three out of four, Christ, three out of four Americans will say they're Christians. Um, and it's primarily because they kind of grow up in or at least have some exposure to it. But the reality of that is probably much less And here, Mary grows up in a Jewish home, which the the culture was ingrained with their faith in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. But she doesn't go through the motions. You're going to see here through her song that she had a tremendous faith. She didn't ignore her parents when they brought her to church or taught her, and she embraced her faith. Her prayers were very personal. The reason why I know this is because When the angel Gabriel visited her at uh, this time that we we would celebrate uh, the Christmas story here, when the angel Gabriel um, delivered the message to Mary about being pregnant, she had an interesting response. And you read it in the text, it's in verse 34, so just a few verses before her song. Mary's response to angel Gabriel says, How will this be since I'm a virgin? How will this be? since I'm a virgin. And this isn't doubt. You know, when you read the story of Zechariah, uh, an old man and his wife, and they found out they were pregnant with, or going to be pregnant with John the baptizer, you know, Zechariah had doubt. And then there was some consequences for that. This isn't doubt. This is just flat-out confusion on Mary's part. Um, Mr. Gabriel, sir, I just picture her talking to him. You know, that's not really humanly possible. You see, sir, I've never really been with a man before. You know, there was this one time I reached for bread and Joseph's hand touched mine and we held hands for a minute, but then I was like, okay, I can't do that. And 
So I've been a really good girl. Like, what do you mean? I'm pregnant. So, of course, um, you know, being a, a peer, uh, I don't care what century you're born in. She was born in the first century. You know, all of us are born much later. It's a challenge to remain pure. She did it. She remained pure. Mary's question, will, how will this be, is more of confusion. Like, how, how are you going to make this happen? So Gabriel explains it, how the Holy Spirit will um, make it happen and, over, and overshadow her. And, and then Mary's response is, is wonderful in verse 38. Mary says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So what you said is going to happen because I have that faith. That's Mary. You see her upbringing? She had parents that raised her right. God was in the home. I'm sure at mealtimes they talked about their faith. She knew God's word. Um, Her family prayed together. And by the way, the family that prays together stays together. And so we had to have God first in our home because when we do, we will also magnify his name. Secondly, God's word guides you. God's word has to guide you. Um, Mary's song is profound because it's based on truth, not feelings. Honestly, it's not the song you would expect from a teenage girl. I mean, let's be honest. If you've heard a teenage girl song recently, have you? I I try to avoid that genre too. Uh, But I did a little search and I found a song. I'll read the lyrics. I won't sing it. You can be the peanut butter to my jelly. You can be the butterflies I feel in my belly. You can be the captain and I can be your first mate. You can be the chills that I feel on our first date. Because you're the one for me and I'm the one for you. Some of you may have heard that song before, written by or sung by Auburn. But it's all about feelings, isn't it? I mean, was there any truth in that? Was was it just about feelings? I feel like all teenage Girls' songs are silly and sappy, and they're not scriptural. Not like Mary's song. Mary's song oozes with scripture. It's based on the Word of God. This girl knew the Word of God. She knew truth. The words of her song, if you look closely, you'll recognize that they're inspired by another famous mother in the Bible, Hannah, the mother of Samuel. You can read 2 Samuel chapter 1, and you'll see that Mary's words are similar to hers. She also quotes different psalms and other of the prophets in the Old Testament. She knew scripture. And we're just going to look at two verses, and I'll show you um, how these are based on truth, not just feelings. First one is verse 46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Well, Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, the word soul is the word in the Greek, the original language that it was written in, is the word psyche, and it refers to the seat of your emotions. So the soul is the seat of your emotions. Mary is definitely expressing how emotionally excited she is, how happy and joyful and excited that that this miracle child is going to be coming from her. And then she uses the word magnify or Magnificat, which is actually a Latin word, which is why many uh, call it this song. Probably in your Bible, your heading might say Mary's Magnificat. It's a Latin word. Um, It's the word that uh, we translate to be magnify. Or in today's language, we probably would say zoom. (laughs) 
Mary zoomed in on the Lord. You know, you know all about zooming. Have you ever received a bear hug from a really excited person? You know what that feels like? That was Mary. Mary was giving the Lord a big, excitable bear hug. She was hugging the Lord because her soul, her emotions were all in. Like She was really excited about this baby. But then she says in verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And you might say, well, that's just repeating the same kind of thing, but it's not at all. Because she doesn't say my soul, she says my spirit. And the word for spirit is the Greek word pneuma. And the pneuma is what we have inside of us that lives forever. It either goes to heaven or hell when our body dies. The pneuma, the spirit, or really the mind, the intellect, the logic, everything about us that we can uh, uh, comprehend things, that's all about, I mean, that's, that's where we, we would think about things and, and have truth. And Mary had her, her spirit, her mind is saying that I'm excited. I'm, my mind is rejoicing because she was putting it together. She was understanding the promise of the Messiah that goes all the way back to the beginning, the very first book in the Bible, Genesis 3.15, the promise of the Messiah and all the prophecies from the prophets that there's over 300 prophecies of the coming Messiah. And here is Mary realizing this. She understood this truth about her baby. And she says, he's my Savior. Now that's interesting that she would call him her Savior. I say it's interesting because many people in this particular area that we're in here in St. Clair Shores grew up Catholic. And if you've been exposed to the teachings of the Catholic Church on this particular subject, you will know that this doesn't jive, what I'm about to say here. Who needs a Savior? Well, a sinner needs a Savior. And as far as I know, Romans 3.23 tells us that we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. Here's an important question to think about. Did the church, in the beginning, in the first century, when it first began, in the second century, in the third century, and so on, did they teach that Mary never sinned? Because that's one of the teachings called the Immaculate Conception. Immaculate Conception has nothing to do with Jesus, but with Mary, teaching that she never sinned. But here's the deal. It wasn't until December 8th, 1854, 1800 years later, that Catholicism declared this Immaculate Conception teaching. Here's my point. It's important for all of us to inspect our religious baggage carefully. We got a lot of things that we learned growing up. We got a lot of things that we learned from different sources that aren't really even from the Bible. I always say to our church, don't get your theology from Hollywood. Don't get your truth from movies, from songs, from different places, from television. Get it from the Word of God. This is where Mary got her truth and while she wrote this song. Traditions cannot, should not supersede God's Word. And by the way, I'm pretty sure Jesus made that clear in his Gospels. Don't let tradition trump what God is doing in, in the, the truth of it all. Um, I'm reminded of, of my daughter when she was in high school and she was in a class and there was a debate and she 
wisely ask this question. Does what we believe make something true? Does what we believe make something true? No. Just because you believe something doesn't make it true. Truth comes from God's word. Mary's song is in God's word. It's truth, and let truth be the guide for you. Feelings are gauges. They alert us. They shouldn't lead us. But truth, the word of God, should lead us. God's word guides you. And I hope that we can embrace that. Thirdly, God's grace is the gift of unconditional love. Not only did Mary see herself as a sinner in need of a Savior, she also saw her very tiny status in the world. When you hear her song, when you look at it, verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Who was Mary but a poor girl from Nazareth? And it was Nathaniel, one of Jesus' disciples, that said, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Poor little town. Who's Mary? Who, who, why would she be the mother of the Messiah? Are you a nobody like Mary was? We all are. But God delights in using the simple and the humble to do great things in his name, to glorify him, not us. Nothing we can do will ever make us deserving of God's love, but that's what makes it such a wonderful gift, because it's unconditional. It's not a condition based on what you do. You're not here today hearing his word because and, and, and hearing the love that he has for you because of anything you've done. It's all because of what he has done. He sent his son to this world, to our world, to save us, to show us that great love. It's unconditional. It's called grace. Grace, the unconditional love, a gift we don't really deserve. And because of grace, we are somebody. We become a child of God because of his grace. Mary completes her thought, verse 48. From behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Not that she was saying, oh, I'm going to be awesome, I'm going to be better than all the other mothers. She's not saying that. She's saying that I am nobody, but God has made me somebody. He did it. His grace. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. The angels sing, as we sang this morning, the angels sing in Revelation 4 and 5, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That repetition three times magnifies God as being holy, pure, beautiful, El Shaddai, God Almighty. And therefore, we have amazing grace. That wonderful song that we love to sing any time of the year, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace is a gift of unconditional love. Fourthly, fourthly, this is where I'm supposed to give the, the sign to my, my wife to go get Naomi so she can sing that song. So here's my sign to my wife. God's mercy saves you from judgment. If God's grace is giving us what we don't deserve, 
then God's mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. The reality is, is that God will judge us all. And he will judge us, as many parables in the Gospels show, that you either on on the side of, of grace and mercy, or you're not on the side of grace and mercy. When we read Revelation, which we've been going through on uh, Wednesday nights, we see that there is a, a time will come when God's wrath will be released, and there will be judgment upon this earth, upon all people. And Mary writes in verse 50, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation, who revere Him, who hold Him up as as God Almighty. And then in verses 51 through 53 of Mary's song, she contrasts those who receive mercy and those who receive judgment. Revelation is a wonderful book, a wonderful study, and uh, it, it shows and reveals to us that the earth we live in right now will eventually, at some point in the future, be completely destroyed. There will be a new heaven and a new earth coming in which the only people that will dwell on that are the ones who receive grace and mercy from our Father, from our Lord. So God's mercy truly saves us from that judgment day to come. And finally, God keeps his promises. Mary writes in the last few verses here, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. And when you read the Bible and you read the offspring of Abraham, if you know the Old Testament, you realize that Abraham was, was the beginning, if you will, of the, the Jewish people. There's about 15 million Jews in the world today, and they all come from Abraham. Then there was Isaac, and then there was Jacob, and then there was the 12 sons of Jacob, or Jacob's name was also Israel. And the nation of Israel is what we have today. And many think of, oh, okay, the offspring of Abraham are the, the, the ethnic Jews. But the Bible also speaks of those that come from Abraham's um, offspring, spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking, meaning Abraham, as it's explained in the New Testament, was credited as being righteous by his faith. The righteous live by faith. And so therefore, anyone today that puts their faith in Jesus Christ is also credited to be righteous. And so therefore, you are the spiritual offspring of Abraham. And that's the greatest promise that you could ever have, the greatest gift, as it says on, on our sign outside, the greatest gift you'll never return. You might get a gift this year, you might want to return it, but when you get grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never return it because it's the greatest promise that was ever made that God would redeem us. You know, the Bible has 66 books, but yet it's one story of God loving us enough to redeem us. He saves us through his son, Jesus Christ. And nothing can separate you from that love. Romans 8 for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen? So we have five truths from Mary's song. I hope you'll read it. It's in Luke chapter 1. 
Read it a few times this Christmas. Look at it and see how special it truly is that we have these truths, that God is first in our home, and that will change everything. When God's word guides you, not your feelings, because you know how it is, you wake up, sometimes you don't feel like praising God. Sometimes you don't feel like you're a Christian. Sometimes you don't. Feelings are gauges, not guides. Let the word of God guide you. Read the word. Read the Bible. See what it says. Nothing can separate you from his great love for you when you're a child of God. God's grace is a gift of unconditional love. When you don't feel like, oh, I don't deserve it. I know you don't. Neither do I. It's, it's his grace. It's his gift to you. His love for you. And his mercy saves you from that day that we all must face. Anyone um, that says there isn't going to be a judgment day is delusional. They're, they're not seeing the truth. The truth is there in the word of God. And God keeps his promises to the very end. We may not be great at keeping promises, but God is perfect. He's got a perfect record. Never before has he failed in keeping his promises. So we have our final song um, this morning on this Christmas Eve. It's been a, a wonderful um, year of, of serving the Lord, of, of fellowshipping. This church uh, continues to um, just amaze me with the, the love that it has for one another. We have this, this motto, if you will, our purpose statement that uh, we are here to help you get closer to God. We'll help you to understand the Bible and to love one another. Really, three simple things. We try to keep it simple as we can. Um, I know that we don't have um, programs for, for every single um, age group, and all, and, and, but you know, we're, we continue to ex- expand in what we do to minister, but we just try to keep it simple. We're here to help you get closer to God. And we can do that in lots of different ways, but we're here to help you understand the Bible. We teach God's Word verse by verse, as I did today. And we're here to help you love one another. And that's the part where, where, where you all got to do it, right? We sang that song today, love one another. I mean, continue to care for one another. You know, there's been, uh, I feel like lately, a lot of people that have been hurting. Um, some, some discouraging things have happened in your life. And you're, and you're feeling broken, and you're feeling a little defeated. And that's where you need the church, the other people, the other Christians to love you, to be there for you, to hold your hand, to cry with you, to bring you a meal, to, to do whatever, to be your friend. And this church continues to do that, and that's why I love it. I love this church.